Welcome to the Kingstonist Podcast, a daily look at news, sports, and all things Kingston. Brought to you by Taylor Audubon. When you buy a certified pre-owned from Taylor Automall, it means you have the backing of Canada's number one pre-owned sales brand. It also means that with your purchase, your vehicle will go through a rigorous 150 plus point inspection, comes with manufacturer's warranty, has 24 hour roadside assistance, and comes with a one-time exchange privilege. We have over 80 certified pre-owned on our lot right now. All makes, all models, anything you need. Certified pre-owned vehicles and Taylor Automall, above and beyond industry standards. And welcome to 15 Minutes With, brought to you by the Taylor Auto Mall. And please be joined by Gord Hunter, the new Executive Director of the Humane Society. Congratulations on the new gig. Thanks very much, Dan. That actually sounds pretty good when you yeah. say that. I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited about it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the Humane Society is something that's been around since the 1800s. Yep. And, but I don't, you know, and, and being a, a, I'm a, I'm a dog person, although I, I must admit I don't have a dog right now. Um but, but there are a lot of people in Kingston, including people that have pets, that don't know a lot about the Humane Society. Yeah, they see us. They see us in you know a few different lights, but not the full uh, full provision of services that we offer to the city of Kingston. And we work, you know, in and around the city of Kingston, but we, we also work with Stone Mills Township and South Front and Central Front and North Front, and so seven different uh, municipalities. And so we take uh, stray dogs from all those municipalities and from Kingston as well. So, and we also deal with uh, local people who, for whatever reason, can't take care of their animals anymore, so they surrender them to us. And and then, you know, we're often the the people that um, that people come to and say, you know, we found this animal and it looks hurt. Can you help us? So we work with the OSPCA, the uh, Ontario Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, um, and care for those animals as well. Basically, we're not turning any animal in really? need or in distress away. Now, so you you obviously, you must have, you're on, on Bennington Court here in That's Kingston. That's right, yeah. You must have a huge facility uh, to house uh, all kinds of pets. All you would think. Of animals. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, honestly, it's not big enough. Really? Um, it's, uh, it was built in 97 and built um, for the city of Kingston. And if, if I'm correct, it was built before amalgamation was really in process or was just barely in process. So um, I don't think that was considered. And I don't think the size of the area, the catchment area that we deal with, I mean, literally we go from Gann to Napanee down to, uh, you know, uh, across to Wolf Island and as far north as Charlotte Lake. Okay. So it's a huge yeah, catchment absolutely. area now. Yeah. So uh, we just don't have the room that we, we need. Um, we've got, you know, storage is a big, big issue, you know, storing yeah. all the food that we need and all the supplies and all those things. We've got things stored in showers. Actually, one of the questions <laughs> I asked was, hey, can I, if I ride my bike to work, is there a shower? Well, we'll have to take the dog food out of the shower first. <laughs> okay. So that's an indication that we, yeah. we don't have enough room. Yeah. And, and, and if, if I'm somebody that wants to uh, adopt a pet, uh, dog, cat, yep. uh, hamster. <laughs> what is the what is the process? So, uh, really, just come to us. Um, we have uh, 
so all our animals that are available for adoption are uh, in a certain area and you can come and have a look through and see if you connect with one of the cats or one of the dogs. We do oftentimes get rabbits and smaller animals too. Not too many of those, yeah. to be honest with you, but um, so it's mostly cats. And then uh, the, the second amount of uh, animals would be dogs. And then the smaller animals would be kind of the lower, lower end of things. Um, but re really just come in and, and hopefully make a connection. And we're also going to you're going to be, it's kind of like you're going to be interviewing the dog or the cat and we're going to be interviewing you along sure. the way to see if that makes a, makes sense. Because if you're looking at, let's say you're looking at, uh, we've got maybe a husky and a husky is a working dog and needs a lot of walks and, and, and wants to be doing things, but you live in a condo, a one bedroom condo. So we're going to say, you know what, that's probably not the best connection for you, but maybe this dog, which is a smaller dog and a quieter dog, and it doesn't require as much activity because what's going to happen is you're going to take that Husky home and then you're going to call us about a week and a half later and say, um, the Husky ate the dashboard of my car and ate part of a chair and four shoes. And, and we're saying, well, yeah, that probably happened because he's not getting out and he's not, yeah. he's not doing the things that he needs to do. Wow. And, and you, uh, you're, you're, Constantly looking for volunteers as well. Yeah, volunteers are, are a big help for us. So uh, dog walkers. Also, um, we need people that can um, come in and just cats. <clears throat> cats are different than, I mean, cats are obviously yeah. different than dogs, but there's a, a different kind of a way cats to react. Cats have attitude. Yeah, oh, they do. <laughs> they have tons of attitude. Yeah. Um, and uh, they also don't do well in shelters. They don't like the noise. They don't, they don't really like they need to be able to do their thing, you know, and, and they don't have much room there. So we try and get them in and out as quickly as possible, but we do have, we do need volunteers who can come in and just spend some time with the cats, pat them, you know, uh, hold them. Um, if they're, you know, if they're amenable to holding, you know, you know, cats have different personalities, sure. but we need, yeah, yeah. they're, we call them cat cuddlers and, and, uh, cats do much better if they can spend some time and, and be calm and, and we can kind of get the stress out of them. So that's, that's another, uh, we need fosters, people who can foster animals because some, some animals that come to us <clears throat> really, if we can get them into a home while we're waiting for them to be adopted, that's the best environment for them. They may not do well. They may be uh, really, really affected by the stress of being in a kennel where there's barking dogs, but if we can get them in a home yeah. while they're waiting for adoption or while they're recovering from something simple like a, a skin condition or while they need to be socialized before we can adopt them, that's a that's a good thing too. Do you have veterinarians on site or do you do veterinarians volunteer? We do. We we um, not volunteer. We have Doctor uh, Doctor Glory who. Uh, She's in three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or sometimes Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. And she does all of the spays and neuters. So every animal that gets adopted from the Kingston Humane Society is spayed or neutered, unless there's a really specific medical issue where we can't do it. And at that point, we'll, we'll give the person who's adopting the animal a voucher and say, you need to come back to us when, when the animal's ready so that we can spay or neuter them. And that's just... Uh, our way of trying to help control the population. Sure. And, and all animals will have a complete checkup before, Absolutely. before they're adopted. Yeah. They're yeah. dewormed. They're, uh, any flea medication They're They're fully healthy when we adopt them out. And we also, they also come with 30 days of pet insurance. So if something did happen, they got sick in that for first 30 days, there's pet insurance to cover any bills. Okay. And, and you really, uh, you know, pet stores used to sell dogs and guys, but they, they're sort of out of that business now, aren't they? Yeah, we actually, yeah. Uh, we helped to enact a, a ban on that. Um, we do have partners in the city where specifically for cats, um, cats from our shelter 
are put in in some of our partner locations like PetSmart, like Pet Value, where um, people can go and adopt a Humane Society cat from them, but they are all checked through us. They're all um, medically cleared through us, and all the adoption process happens through the Humane Society. So you're you're new to the position. Yeah. Um, do you have a wish list going into your job? Do you know enough about it yet? <laughs> I know it's your learning curve has got to be uh, it's very steep. Yeah. But do you have a wish list already? Uh, in terms of what I would like to do, yeah, yeah sure. Um, I think long term, I really do believe a new building is is going to help us tremendously, help us serve the city better, help us serve the animals much better, and the staff too. I mean, the staff get really stressed with the lack of room, but that's kind of long term. Uh, we can operate right now and and help the public and help the animals with the facility we have. Long term, I think we need a new building. But some of the other things we're looking at are a second anesthetic machine. Um, so we have one anesthetic machine, which means Dr. Laurie can do a certain number of surgeries, but we can't. We always have a backlog, especially sure. as we roll into um late spring, early summer, when we start getting more and more cats coming into the building, we get a bit of a backlog of spay and neuters because we only have one machine. So that would be great to have. It'd be great to have an ultrasound machine because ultrasound is a less invasive procedure of diagnosing than an x-ray machine. Now, we do have an x-ray machine available to us through St. Lawrence College. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so that that's another um, thing that we we could use. So those are kind of the three. And the and one of the things that really the, the city is asking about and, and community members within the city, because we have a large feral cat population in the city of Kingston is... I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. So a, a low cost spay neuter. What is a feral cat for those that don't know? So it's feral, a feral cat is a cat that's born in the wild, has never lived with a family. They, they eat what they can find, whether it's mice or whatever they can find. Yeah. And they live in little colonies. They, you know, they, they kind of, I guess, you know, if, if the world was a perfect place and this was, you know, a different time, that wouldn't be such a bad thing. But, um, the way it is in the middle of the city, they, they don't have a lifespan that that's, uh, that they should have. Yeah. And, and they're, you know, they often, their lives end very, very early and, and not very well. So um, one of the things we'd like to get going is a, is a low-cost spay-neuter program so that we can get those feral cats and get them spayed and neutered so they're not reproducing. Now, is, is it possible to adopt a feral cat or is, there, or is that you've got to leave them in the wild? Yeah, yeah. It, it's really... They can't be domesticated. It's a really tricky situation. Yeah. Um, I, I grew up kind of out in the country, so yep. I'm very familiar so you know, with barn cats. Barn cats. Yeah. And barn cats aren't a whole yep. lot different. They're kind of one step above a feral cat yep. where they're mildly domesticated. You know, they, they might come and say hi to you in the morning when you walk into the barn before you, you, you know, get the tractor rolling. But they're, they're really, they have no interest in they, you. If you try and pick them up, you're going to lose a hand. So, <laughs> um, feral cats are worse than that. They're very, very, uh, they're almost wild animals essentially. Wow. So, yeah. Um, the, the problem with the low cost spay neuter is it's incredibly expensive, um, to create, uh, a, a, basically another part of our humane society that was a low cost spay neuter clinic requires a huge outlay of cash. And then it requires a lot of money to keep rolling. So we're trying, we really are. And one of the things we're looking at is what can we do temporarily to kind of resolve that issue? So I, I reached out to all the vet clinics in town and I said, what if each vet clinic donated one day a month? And we have 16 or 18 vet clinics. That's one day every yeah. 16 or 18 months that you would donate where you're doing low-cost spay-neuter. And we would take care of all the front end. And so I'm starting to get some responses from that. So we're, we're definitely looking into 
how we can deal with it on a temporary basis until we can find a way to get an actual low-cost spay neuter clinic rolling. Well, here's a silly question. It, 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 with, with feral cats, you said they live in colonies. Yeah. Do you know where the colonies are? Are they nomadic? Or I don't know where they are. <laughs> uh, there are people in town who deal with them, and they're incredible people. I mean, yeah. They take a ton of time to make sure that the animals have food. Um, if there are animals that are sick or need attention, um, they deal with that. And it's it's tricky. I mean, as, yeah. if you've ever tried to pick up a cat that doesn't want to be picked up, <laughs> multiply that by about 10 when you're dealing with a feral cat. Wow. So um, there are some great people that do know where they are and do care for them. Um, I, but, but personally, I'm not sure yeah. where they are. And I, I think they probably hide pretty well. I'm, well, they must. Yeah. yeah. And Gord, the other thing that in Kingston that you're known for is, uh, is music. Uh, Gord is uh, Emily Fennell's manager yeah. and uh, want to sort of switch gears to that. Sure. And, and Emily was here, uh, one of our first podcasts, had a great conversation with her. Um, and she's got some, she's got some nice big dates coming up. Wow. We're so excited for, um, so Emily, Emily went to Toronto and played the uh, Blues Summit in Toronto yeah. with the Toronto Blues Society. And that's, um, so she had a performance on Friday night at 1030. And that's like, I, I, I'm not sure how to describe it. Maybe like a comedian standing in a room full of comedians trying to make them laugh because this is a room full of booking agents who've seen great acts forever. They know music. So they're standing there with their kind of their arms folded and they're going, okay, go ahead and press Entertain me. me. And boy, did she ever. Yeah. So I, I make the joke that I kind of felt like Dan Aykroyd at the end of Trading Places. I was just standing there going, okay, yep, okay, you want it for when? Okay, yeah. So we we literally, we booked um, across Canada. So Nanaimo Blues Festival, uh, Montreal Jazz Fest, Harvest Jazz and Blues in Fredericton, uh, Orangeville Jazz Festival, uh, um, King Carden Jazz Fe Blues and Jazz Festival, uh, the Kitchener Blues Festival. Um, yeah, she did an amazing job. Yeah. As um, as anybody who's seen Miss Emily perform, she just rocked that. And house. as I recall, that weekend, uh, she was back and forth to <laughs> Kingston. I mean, she was performing this and auditioning at the same time. It was crazy. Yeah. So we did the show Friday night. Uh, got up in the morning, drove back to Kingston, all the prep for our show at the Isabel Bader Theater, yeah. which has uh, become our absolute favorite venue of all time. Oh, they yeah. treat us so well there. Emily sold that place out five times in 19 months. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely positive she holds the record at this point for sellouts um, at the Isabel Bader. And, and it's fairly new, but we're going to hold on to that record. Sure. So we're playing there again <laughs> next February, and we plan on selling that show out too. Um, yeah, so we came back on the Saturday, played the show, and then went back up on the Sunday for the workshops. And there was also this, it, it was speed dating for uh, festival promoters and artists. So there were <laughs> 38 or 39 people who were booking festivals in the room, and you had two minutes at each table to impress them and get a booking out of them or get information out of them. Wow. And, and again, Emily just killed it. Knocked it out of the park. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you've been around Kingston for a long time. I mean, yep. you go back to the days of uh, dollar bills when, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, David Wilcox would come in for the Lincolns or Long John Baldry, come in for a week. Yeah. You know, and yeah. not just one night. Uh, yeah. Those were great days. They, they were. It's too bad that that doesn't exist anymore. I'm yeah. really disappointed that bands used to be able to go out on the road. And I was talking to a young musician uh, who you may know um, not too long ago, and I was saying it's, it's really too bad because when the hip was starting out, they could hit the road and go, let's say they went up to Timmins, and they would arrive in Timmins on a Sunday night. They would start playing on Monday, 
Tuesday, Wednesday, they'd develop a crowd, people that, you know, were really into the music. By Friday night, the place would be packed, yeah. finish on Saturday, hit the road on Sunday for Winnipeg or whatever. And you could do that. You could do a week in each city. It was it made it financially feasible for musicians to go on the road and build a core audience. And that's how the hip got started. That's how so many bands got started. That doesn't exist anymore. Nah, you're, doing, yeah. you're doing one night in Toronto and then you're doing one night in Kitchener. And then maybe if you're lucky, you do one night in Windsor before you head in, head down into the States and you're doing one night stands. It's so much more difficult. Well, and, and in those days, I mean, David Wilcox had was basically it was his, his reincarnation because he'd yeah. been around in the 60s, came back in the uh, in the late 70s, early 80s. And, you know, you walk into dollar bills and they're the Lincolns and they're they're just blow you away. And yeah. then they lasted forever. They were a house band in Toronto. somewhere. Yeah. 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 So. Wilcox was uh, Ian Tyson's guitarist. Yeah. And I actually had uh, lucky enough uh, at a festival that Emily played at where uh, Ian Tyson was a headliner. And uh, I chatted with Ian about uh, David being his guitarist. And he was kind of impressed that I knew that at night. And I kind of thought, well, I thought everybody knew that. But um, yeah, we had a good chat about David Wilcox and what a great guitarist he he is. And uh, uh, still to this day, he's fun to see. In, in basketball uh, in Toronto, they talk about Vince Carter having been a huge influence on kids and that got them away from hockey and into basketball. Yep. I say Steve Nash had a lot to do with that as well. For sure. In Kingston, who do you think, is is there one person that had a lot to do with with um, motivating or, or inspiring kids to to get into the music business? I know it's kind of a tough question, but it, it is. Uh, that's, my, that's my job. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, you can't look past the hip, and, and uh, when you see those guys and you see how they've stayed so connected to the city. I think that makes that makes a huge impression on kids who are uh, looking at the music industry and going, okay, well, these guys are still part of my city. I still see them around town. I still see them going to gigs and, and uh, you know, um, sitting in the audience and watching bands. So those guys are, are incredibly impressive. I, I like to think that uh, Miss Emily's had an effect too, but um, if people like Georgette Fry, Georgette, yeah. Georgette um, was a regular downtown here, and I don't think we knew what we had until, you know, she started getting noticed from Juno nominations and Juno wins, and and we started realizing, wait a second, that's that's Georgette that that's plays Georgette. every Wednesday night, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. she's, um, so she had a huge influence, I think, and then the, the regular working musicians who work all the time, people like Spencer Evans, uh, people like Chris Coster, who's now, you know, he's, he's doing great with the Glorious Sons, yeah. but Chris was... Sunday nights at the mansion and people see those people and see them making a living and music and working their tails off to do it. They're, they're inspirational. My, to me, uh, a non-musician, because uh, we, we just talked about his venue, uh, Pat Russo, God rest his soul, yeah. uh, who had the foresight to bring big acts to Kingston on, on a, on a, every week. Yep. I mean, we were so spoiled and, and, uh, uh, you know, had, had a huge, I think, influence on young people that got exposed. They were exposed to to big Toronto acts, and yeah. acts from around the country. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of, I, I kind of miss. I know uh, the the restaurant that's in where Brandy's was is doing a great job, um, and the, the food's really yeah. good. I kind of miss Brandy's downtown because yeah. they brought a lot of blues acts in. Now RCHA has kind of fit themselves into that that mold, but you would see great acts like. Uh, um, Saw Sue Foley there one night. I think. Sue Foley, yeah. uh, Jumpin' Johnny Sansoni oh, yeah. from yeah. from New Orleans would play there pretty regularly. I remember seeing him standing on the bar playing his harmonica. Um, yeah, I, I miss because the now uh, Casey and Will Fisher with the Mansion have done a great job. Yeah. Um, All the venues in Kingston, yeah, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah like the, but it's a much Blue different Martini business now. Yeah. It is, it, yeah. it, it, and and I wish it was kind of the way it had been, but. 
you can't you can't wish for things. That's right. Everything changes, so you just have to kind of roll with the punches. And I and I see young musicians doing just that, and they're they're doing it by getting the music out um, um, through videos and yeah. through you know uh, sharing places like Spotify and things like that, where their music gets out there and people get a feel for it. And then suddenly there's a band like The Wilderness who are uh, filling the alehouse with a, a great show, and and they've been working really hard just you know, playing wherever they could. So cool. Well, Gord, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks. Jim. And uh, we'll have you in again uh, uh, in the future, but uh, best of luck uh, with the Humane Society. And, uh, you know, we, we want to help you as much as we can and raise awareness yeah. uh, for, for this uh, incredible uh, part of Kingston that I, I don't think enough people are completely aware of. Well, thanks very much. I really enjoyed it. All right, buddy.